how hard you hit. It's about how hard you can get hit and keep moving forward. To infinity and beyond. Some people without brains do an awful lot of talking, don't they? It's classified. You talking to me? I could tell you, but then I'd have to kill you. I can't lie! Expecto Patronum! Entertainment X. You never know what you're going to get. For this episode, I sit down and chat with Ken Billington. Ken is a lighting designer for over 100 Broadway shows. He's been doing this for quite some time, and we get down to his drive, how he views lighting, how he views life, what's important to him, lessons he's learned along the way, and so much more. It's really, really a wonderful encapsulated moment in history to get him on the show and to chat with him because his career spans many decades. So I hope you enjoy this episode and certainly take away something from it. I did. I know I did. And enjoy. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, we are back. And today with me on the phone is Ken Billington. Ken, thank you for joining me here today. Well, thank you for having me. This is going to be very exciting. I said to you before we started that you essentially lit my childhood. <laughs> and oh my God! All right. <laughs> you know, well, it's it's really funny actually. When I was like just kind of doing the research, I noticed you worked on Fantasmic back in like ninety two right. or ninety four. Did you come up with that idea to have those lights come out of the rocks in beams and shine across the audience? Yes, absolutely. You know, they, um, it's, a Dis it's a show at Disneyland. It's not the one at Disney World. It's one in Anaheim. Yes. Uh, and, uh, you know, it was sort of groundbreaking um, at the time. So um, we, first of all, had to, we came up with a good concept, and it was uh, between the director and the set designer and the producers. And anyway, we decided to bring, the lights had to store out of sight during the day so that means they have to come out of the ground and if they're going to come if they're going to come out of the ground where what is the ground and you know and we put automated lights in there moving lights uh the bigger problem was in 1990 or 91 when we conceived this moving lights were very new you know move, automated lighting was really not invented until 1980 None of them were waterproof, um, and so it became, how do we, we, I knew we needed automated lights because I would have needed so many conventional fixtures. We could get um, all the things that you can get with automated fixtures, so we uh, had to put them in the ground, and the vaults they go into had to be temperature controlled, so they... The lights wouldn't rust, and they wouldn't mold, and they wouldn't do all that. So, yeah, that was good. Uh, I think they all were in shock when everyone figured out how much that was going to cost, but um, <laughs> they did it. It's just so incredible to see, because I know you did the one at Disneyland. They have, I don't know if you've seen the one at Disney World. It's its similar. They, they kept what you did <laughs> at yes, Disneyland. No, 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 absolutely. And it was fun to do. But uh, whoever thought, you know, Southern California, we teched it for like six weeks or seven weeks uh, in March and April. I think we opened in May. Uh, but whoever thought Southern California at two in the morning and three in the morning was cold. Um, yeah, right. <laughs> but 
And the only thing, you know, when we laid out the production tables, you know, there's, there's tables that we sit at uh, to do the technical rehearsals. You know, the director has a table, the lighting designer has a table, the lighting programmer has a table. Um, everybody has a table. Uh, so usually in the good seats in the middle. Um, right. And right. you... You know, and you tech a show, whether it's indoors or outdoors, in a theater or in a field, you know, it all has to be figured out technically. Uh, and that's done by viewing it. So uh, it was interesting. We did everything properly. They built, um, uh, they covered over a garden. They tiered it so we had all the tables, didn't have to come down in, in the morning, except we forgot to put electricity in for space heaters. So they had to ultimately every night run a cable, you know, from the other side of the park to get us the 100 amps to plug in all the heaters because it was 40 degrees at night and sitting outside <laughs> trying to light a show from 10 p.m. till sunup, which was like five something. Uh, it was darn cold, I'll tell you. Um, so everyone's in, we're in winter clothes and gloves and heaters on our feet and um the hot chocolate machine behind us. You know, it was all those fun things, things nobody ever thinks of, but we did it. <laughs> no, and I'm so glad you're sharing this right now because you don't think about that when you go to Disney World and see the show. So I love it. I just no. love it. How? No, last week I lit the um, at the Philadelphia Zoo. It's called Illuminature and uh, did a show on a lake, uh, which is a seven-minute show. Um uh, with projections and lighting, and it's it's thrilling and continuing uh, the zoo's um, you know mandate of uh, giving back and protecting species and all those things. And it was twenty eight degrees uh, for the three nights we teched or four nights. I don't know. Oh my goodness! Um, and we had a tent with heaters in it, but still, you can't sit in a tent. You got to see out, and then the wind blows in and. It's cold. It's cold. Yeah. So all, anytime you see anything outside, anything outside that has to do with lighting, it was done at night. And yeah. night isn't as warm as sunshine. Okay. That's <laughs> <laughs> so true. That is so true. Ken, how have you gotten better? How have I gotten better? Well, you know, the more you do it, the better you become, I guess. I'm always learning. Um you know, when I was young, I thought probably when I was starting, I thought I knew it all. Then I realized I didn't know <laughs> a lot. So, but I became, I wasn't arrogant about it. I always thought, oh, I can learn from these people. These people I assisted are the, the great directors and people I worked with that are no longer with us. Um, they're just names in history books now. Um, and so if you know you can learn from them and you keep your eyes open and your mouth shut you learn a lot uh so that was actually very good in my early career of just paying attention um now that i've done so much um i know a lot of secrets of how you make things work and not work uh sometimes i'm right sometimes i'm wrong but if i'm wrong I admit I'm wrong. I don't, you know, if I don't, if something looks bad, if I'm lighting a moment and it doesn't work and it, everyone else may think it looks good, but I don't think it looks good uh, and it isn't true to the concept or the piece that we're working on, um, change it. And if I don't know how to fix it, then I 
ask, I turned to my assistant, how are we going to do this? I asked the director, what do you think about this? And then go out and figure out how to solve the problem. Um, call my friends. I'm not proud. Um, you know, because I don't know everything. And I sort of enjoy it every once in a while when I get stumped because then I really have to learn something new. Has So it's... Uh, so it's a good way to, you know, I don't know if I'm unique or anything, but it's, uh, I, I always thought, you know, there's people that know this better than I do, so let me learn from them. Do you still believe that? Um, yeah, well, you know, just by having done it for so long now, you know, I lit yeah. my first Broadway show in 1973. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That's a long time ago. Uh, so, <laughs> I, and I've done all sorts of things, so I know a lot. Um, but sometimes I'll, you come across a problem and you go, and you have to re I have to really think hard and work hard and come up with solutions and figure out how we're going to do it or why the play doesn't work, you know, because part of what I do besides being a lighting designer, I prefer working on new projects. New projects are thrilling for me. And I mean a new project, original new project, not a revival project but something sure. nobody's ever done before. Sure. Uh, because <clears throat> when you work on Broadway, it's new, and everybody's there for the same reason. Uh, we want to make this uh, the success we think it deserves. Whether it will be or not doesn't, you know, is up to other people, not to us. All we can do is make it as good as we can. And you want everyone to, um, you know, Everyone should play in the same place. So you sit with a director and you sit with a choreographer and the scenic and the costume designer and the authors. You know, we're all in the room together, sitting at a table, maybe out front. Uh, but everybody listens to uh, each other. So it doesn't mean that I'm smarter than the author, but sometimes I'll say, I'm confused by this relationship and that makes everyone in the room go oh this has nothing to do with lighting uh, huh. it just is uh, i'm just confused by what's happening on stage and that will spark an idea and people will talk about it maybe i'm the only one that was confused but you get it to um you get it to work um so I'm hearing lots of noise in the background. Is this going to Yes. Be no, it's, yeah, it's, um, I'm sitting, since I'm in the hotel lobby, I'm like across from Starbucks and I'm trying to, what I'll probably do is bring down my volume while you're talking because these are two separate channels. So people won't actually hear this noise over you. Okay. Um, getting the band back together was a really quick show <laughs> in terms of its run yes. on Broadway, but I really appreciated that in the quote unquote rock sections, the lighting didn't go over the top. It never went like quote unquote too far. And I thought right. that was really, really interesting. I wonder if that was a conscious decision for you or not. Um, absolutely. It was a conscious decision because, uh, a show that your listeners have never heard of. It was about a 40 year old guy getting fired from his wall street job and going back to live with his mother in New Jersey and getting his uh, high school band back together uh, to win the battle of the bands. And right. there's more plot to it. But that's basically it. So, first of all, they're in Sayreville, New Jersey. So, they're not at Madison Square Garden. 
So just trying to put a touch of reality with it, what would they have in for the Battle of the Bands in Sayreville, New Jersey? Yeah, they would have stuff, but it wouldn't be what you would see for U2, you know, or right, uh, right. the Rolling Stones. So you... Um, you have to make it look like a concert, but you don't want to go crazy because even though the story's a little fanciful, you still have to st- keep it in reality. I had to keep the reality a little bit going there so the audience wouldn't be distracted by the pretty blinking lights. Also, when you're sitting in a theater as opposed to into a stadium or an arena, um, people are very close to the action. Uh, so they can see the faces. Um, when you're in a 25,000-seat arena, uh, if you're sitting in the back, you just see, you don't see expressions unless they have video screens, but so you have to, that's a much bigger, broader picture that you're trying to fill as opposed to a Broadway stage where, you know, the furthest person from the stage is maybe 65 feet, so... Um, Wow, it's uh, so you're you don't want to overload them. Did you or do you have mentors? I, I didn't hear the question. Sorry. Uh, did you or do you have mentors? Uh, well, when I started, I absolutely I worked for a lady by the name of Tharon Musser, um, arguably you know probably the greatest lighting designer, um, theatrical lighting designer. She did things like Chorus Line, Dream Girls, 42nd Street, all the Neil Simon shows, the original Long Day's Journey and Tonight, um, Mame, um, you know, Mac and Mabel. I, she did it all. And I was her assistant for uh, three years. And that's really how I learned. Is um, She put me under her wing and I worked with a great designer. Uh, I saw how she interacted with people. I saw her, um, how she created things, and it was because I did not go to university or college. I um, learned from her, and in the meantime, worked with people like George Abbott. Now, yes, I was the assistant, but I did a show with George Abbott. You know, yeah, I worked with yeah. all these great people and uh, learned a lot, uh, and then went on my own, and I remembered all those lessons and uh, continued it on. And what I do still to this day is I always have young assistants, um, and I pass on to them what was passed on to me so they can pass it on to the next person, to the next generation. So it's it's sort of a good hand-me-down. Yeah. How did she talk to people? What was her communication like? Well, the communication was very straightforward. It was never, um, uh, she spoke her mind, um, and everyone listened. Uh, she also never lost her temper. She never raised her voice. Uh, so Theron Musser was loved by everyone, by the crew, (laughs) by the producers, by the creatives, by the actors, because it was a creative time that it wasn't about screaming and throwing things and not that it often is, but you know, it does happen. Um, it's, it's all stressful, but we try and keep, uh, our heads level and just get the work done because if you lose your temper, 
Um, what has it done except maybe make you relax a little? <laughs> but right. it's kept everybody up. It's now put everybody else on edge, and so no work gets done. So um, the, the best thing I ever learned from her was never to lose my temper in a theater. I love that. What um, what were your theater dreams as a kid? Was this something that you had always wanted to do, or was there well, a I, journey into it? I had always wanted. I'm coughing. One second. I had always wanted to be a lighting designer. In the fourth grade, I turned the lights on and off for the fourth grade play. And I thought it was fun, and I wanted to do lighting. I have no idea why. Um, so um, I did it. And, you know, and then I just was always backstage, you know, with the Cub Scouts or whoever it was. And um, ultimately, um, you know, made it, turn it into a career. Because um, the uh, it was just I was passionate about it. I have no idea why, and so I've known what I wanted to do since I was in the fourth grade. Was it fostered by your parents, or was this something you pursued very independently? One more second. Sure, sure, sure. I well, I asked the question too because I'm I'm curious. Like, what was the journey to decide not to go to college as well? Oh, sorry. Um, you know, my parents were not in the theater at all. And right. uh, my mother took me to the theater. But because um, I, I grew up just outside the cities in New York. So we went and saw Broadway shows. But um, no, they knew that. I have no idea why I was interested in lighting. I have <laughs> none whatsoever. But here we are. Uh, but, I, <laughs> you know, and I, I consider myself an artist. I don't consider yes. myself a technician. Because I design, I paint with light. Uh, by the way, can I paint with watercolors or a sketch? Not at all. Can I pick, pick fabrics for costumes? Not at all. You know, uh, I, I I don't have that skill. But what I do know how to do is paint with light. And I can do that. And I can make magic with some colors you know, yeah. and putting some, some things in the right places and turning them on and off at the right time. How, how do you view uh, light design? Is it all about the shadows for you or is it about the colors well, or is it depend? Well, you know, you get down to the basics when you're doing a show. It's about visibility. At the end of the day, the audience needs to see what you want them to see so they can understand what the playwrights or authors want you to know. So that is my job, is I now, I create the visibility. Uh, that, that's as basic as it can get. So you need to have a light so you can see them. Uh, now we get more sophisticated than that, and we now know we're going to have to see them. But how do we see them? Do we see them... Uh, brightly? Do we see them dimly? Do we see them in warm light or cool light? Do we see them in shadows? Do we see them... However that wants to work is where the design comes in. So if I had two lights, I would probably put one in the front to light their face, and I'd probably put one behind them to make their... give them... pop them out from whatever the background is. 
So, but now if I have four lights, oh, well, we can have one on the face, we can have one for the backlight, we can have one from the left, and we can have one from the right, and we can turn them on in any order. So you can just have a backlight and you see a silhouette, or I can light them from one side and you see only the side of them and you say, oh, this may be a little ominous, or I turn the front light on and the side lights and the backlight and make it really bright and you say, oh, this is going to be... Um, we we need to pay attention to this. So, you know, you just build on that because it's about angle, it's about intensity, it's about color. Um, and then the emotion, which comes from the lights, but the emotion of when you change the lights, uh, when you turn them on, do you build the lights at the end of a song? Or do you black out? Do you delay the blackout? because then I can take the audience along on the ride. So if they finish the song and the lights bump up on the button, then the audience notices there's a big change, and the orchestrator maybe has buttoned the song and the singer has finished it, and the lights change. It gives excitement to you. It takes the audience and makes them look up and say, yep, that's it, wow, uh, uh, you know, or you can take it down and you make it can make it so beautiful and soulful that they say they just look at the beauty of it and listen. So, um, you know, where I change the lights is almost as important as to where I put them. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that was the thing that blew my mind watching you work with Waitress, uh, especially right. on the day that we did our like B-roll for public relations because that's not theatrical lighting. That became film lighting. And right. you primarily stick within the theatrical lighting, but you were so quick to realize through a monitor what was needed. Well, sure, because, you know, now let's, let's think about the, the, the B-roll, which is um, what you see on television or, or on Playbill online. You know, it's the little one-minute clip of the show, which probably has about 12 scenes bashed into one minute yeah <laughs> um you have to have uh has to create interest we're not making a movie we're not documenting the show we're sh creating moments that will hopefully sell the show and make people interested in coming to see the show so doing uh knowing what the cinematographer was doing the director uh then they show me, and I say, okay, how can we make this have the flavor of the show, but still tell the story that they're trying to sell for a commercial and not make it look like everyone's blue because it was a blue scene, but we accept blue scenes in the theater where on television it just looks like it's odd. So um, you go yes. through like that. <laughs> it, but it's, it's like, how am I making this product have the feeling of what you would have in the theater, but make it appropriate for uh, electronic uh, recording? Has your life and job gotten easier or harder with technology, with um, DMX lighting? It's the same. It's different. You know, yeah. uh, it takes a lot longer now to do things than it used to. Really? Um, oh. You, well, sure. When you didn't have automated lights or automated scenery, when you had guys cranking scenery on and off with a winch, or you had uh, guys manually running a lighting console, a lighting 
manual lighting dimmer board, yeah. Um, yeah. you went through it fast. Um, now there are so many layers of programming. You know, we want a light stage left. That's fine. It used to be I would put on the however 12 dimmers or 10 dimmers or 4 dimmers that lit stage left and we were done. Now I have, I can focus 40 lights over there in multiple colors and create a stage left. Um, so that takes time in programming and execution. Um, and if the scenery is moving, they have to program the piece of scenery. So the piece of scenery lands there and it isn't, you know, telling the guy, crank that handle to the, to number 11 and he cranks and when it hits 11, it stops. Now right. we program all that. So it actually takes more time. Uh, back in, when I started in the 70s and musicals were done, we teched them in four days. Um, and, uh, you know, and then did a dress rehearsal and then did a performance. <clears throat> now if you have less than two weeks to tech, everyone thinks something's wrong. And some shows <laughs> take three or four weeks. So... Um, we're still doing the same shows. I mean, they're new shows. They're not the old shows, but they're still on orchestra and people performing and scenery, lights, and costumes, you know, and dancing. So <clears throat> it's just, it's different. It's, you know, it's just what it is, you know. Um, but I design a series, I design a lot of shows at a thing called Encores in New York, which is the great American musical in concert. Uh, the best example of that is Chicago started as a four-performance concert, and 23 years later, we're still performing all over the world. <clears throat> but that rehearsed for a week. Uh, I lit it in four hours, and we what? did a, a tech rehearsal in eight hours, and that was it, and we're done. And I've never changed it. So, um, y you know, uh, it worked. Um, but... You know, so shows can, uh, and that's why I love about encores. I get to do big musicals in a day. <laughs> yeah, and you got to move you quick. Know, Is there? You got to move quick, and that, and that's where I always think <clears throat> first impressions are good. You know, I don't want two hours of lighting a scene. Some of, some of my colleagues in the world do, and that's great, and they're all great artists also, you know. I'm not that I'm a great artist, but they are great artists. I happen to be an artist who does lighting. And uh. I, uh, I can do it fast, and you turn it on, you do it, it's your first impression. That, whatever that created look I put on stage is a first impression. Maybe it's a wrong first impression, but usually I would say 90% of the time it's correct. Um, so I do not like lighting sessions before the actors hit the stage. While the actors are checking the show, I light the show. And then we all finish at the same time. Is there anything that you miss from when you began in terms of process and technology? Do you miss the uh, simplicity of it? Um, well, you know, the simplicity, this is an interesting, um, I think this is a much bigger discussion, but the great directors, uh, choreographers, scenic designers, uh, makers of theater, uh, who learn from the great makers of theater from the 60s and 70s, 
uh, and were on their way to being the great makers of theater in the 80s, we lost so many of them to the AIDS crisis, we sort of, theater stopped for a while. Yeah. Um, and we're, we have great makers of theater now. But those th- makers, the current makers of theater, didn't learn from the people who were making theater in the 60s or 70s. Um, they came along much later uh, and figured it out for themselves and created it in the way they thought was best, which is another way of doing it. Uh, not wrong. Uh, so I think theater would, if we had never had the AIDS crisis, I think um, theater in the world would be radically different. Yeah, it would. It really would. You know, I will never know because a lot of those people, maybe most of them, never had gotten to their potential or got made it, but were on their way. And then they were taken from us. So... I, it was just interesting living through that because um, there were not there were not new young people coming along there for uh, a very long time. How did you? I mean, you you voiced a little bit about how you felt about it, um, but how? What did that do? What did that do to you or for you in terms of your your life path? You know, stunting the theater community with the AIDS crisis? Well, well you know, I, I, I had worked with all those people, a lot yeah. of those people yeah. from then. So I was sort of carrying that torch forward so I can actually talk about it interestingly now. Um, and there were directors that came along uh, in the 90s that I worked with that some directors were intimidated because I had done so much. And then there were others who said, this is the guy we want. He knows how to do this. He's done this <laughs> yes. before. He's been through this. That's who I want on my team. Right. Uh, directors that weren't intimidated that maybe somebody knew a little more about what they were trying to create than uh, they did. So, uh, you know, so it was, I, it was helpful. It was helpful training um, uh, directors and choreographers and set designers and, um, you know, telling them my point of view and why, whether they did it or not, uh, is fine. But, you know, they then heard another voice of how things could be done, had been done, you know, so you never knew. Do you have a project that you're most proud of or one that stands out in your mind that maybe taught you a lot? you know... Uh, there's there's a, quite a number of them, you know. Um, you sure. know, if I if I said musicals, let's go with musicals um, on Broadway. Then there's things like Working, um, Stephen Schwartz, uh, yeah, musical from the seventies, uh, Sweeney Todd in the seventies. Um, uh, then Get Up, and uh, there's shows like uh, the Scottsboro Boys. Um, Chicago, uh, Chicago in the '90s, the Scottsboro Boys in the 2000s, whatever it was. Yeah. Um, these yeah. are all sort of, I think, great pieces of theater. Um, working was not a success, um, but you know, some of them were. Uh, and then you know, I look at also things I did called Grind. There's a musical you've never heard of that Hal Prince directed. <laughs> It was pretty amazing to look at, you know. Uh, it didn't work 
for whatever reason. But right. you know, so and I'm always as committed to the project I'm on today is the most important one because I can't say, oh well, this is not a very good show. I then I shouldn't do it. If I think it's not a very good show, then I should not do it. If I don't agree with the director. I don't agree with the visual uh, surround or with the scenery. Then maybe I'm not the right guy. Maybe they should get um, somebody else. Uh, because, you know, we all have to work together. And when I get involved with a show, it's the most important show I've ever worked on. And I have to go with it that way, even though it might not be good. Um, I can't think that way. I also can't say, boy, this is the best thing ever, because you don't know. So, uh, so you know, I, I just sort of keep going, and you just look, and you say, yep, I'm doing this. And I can talk, you know, I've done 100 Broadway shows or more. Yes. And I can talk <laughs> about all more. of them, and I can tell you good, <laughs> I can tell you good stories about them. Yeah. Uh, but actually, the ones I'm most interested in are the ones I haven't done yet. Fascinating. I know before we started recording, you kind of gave me a snippet of your week and it was everything from the Harry Connick Jr. show, which uh, I can only imagine how great that ended up to the oh, Hal yeah, Prince uh, Memorial. Yeah, Hal Prince Memorial, then going off and checking up on White Christmas, you know. So, uh, you know, that's, uh, yeah, that's a good week. <laughs> that's a good week to working with uh, great people, putting on great shows. And all, all of them were fun in different ways. In life, what's most important to you? What's most important? Um, enjoying myself. You know, having a good time. Um, ex you know, whether I'm sitting in a hotel room in Istanbul doing a show or <laughs> sitting on the beach, uh, you know, or I'm sitting in New York doing a show. Uh it's all about, I have to enjoy it. If I stop enjoying it, then I shouldn't do it. You know, I'm not going to be unhappy and grumpy and drag everybody down. I still love what I do. I've been doing it a long time. I, I get up in the morning and I like to go to work. Yeah, sure. I'm, you know, I have two weeks off now, so I'm thrilled to go do nothing for two weeks. But um, it's, uh, I, you know, it's the joy of doing what I do that is thrilling to me um, and if I get to do a new project uh, that's even better do you have um, favorite books books you've gifted do I have a book uh, that I yeah just uh, sorry. favorite sorry it's favorite books that you've read favorite books oh, that favorite you've gifted books. I, you know I don't like fiction um, so I usually read biographies and then let's narrow that down, and it's usually entertainment biographies. Sure. Uh, you know, because I find all that quite interesting, because I love to know where where it all came from. I want to know, you know, in theater, where where did it come from? You know, and then you read a book about Moss Hart. You read Act One, and then you know a little bit more about how those things were created. Or... You know, a great book nobody's ever heard of, and it's uh, called Stage Line uh, by uh, Louis Hartman. Um, that is a book that was written. He was Belasco's line designer at the turn of the 
into the 20th century. Now, but I learned so much about theater and lighting from that book. Isn't that, that's what I love about books. That's why I like biographies. Uh, and sometimes biographies are fun because then you hear about whoever it is, you know, being fired from something or having an affair with somebody or whatever. So, you know, there's the lighthearted part of them, too. Uh, but uh, so anyway, that's if if I'm reading, I'm reading a biography. I also read the New York Times every day, uh, cover to cover. Uh, I still like the print edition if I can get it, if I'm in a location like I'm in New York. That takes time. Can, that the New York Times, yeah, oh, yeah I, because I I love the New York Times. Uh, it's my hometown newspaper, right. but then I read it, and it has a good art section, it has a good business section, it has um, obviously news, and uh, I I want to be well versed in what's going on in the world, as opposed to do you know what show opened last night? Um, boy, that got bad reviews. I want to know that there's right. also. Other things in the world, and um, in a little corner of it all. So, you know, and I find I can't read a book and the New York Times every day because there's not enough hours. So, um, I read the paper all the time. Yeah, that's. Um, I mean, that's that's a lost art form. <laughs> Reading the newspaper. I mean, it's so it's so curated compared yeah. to the web, yeah, and, which is where a lot of people get their And, news. you know, and I don't want to watch a video of some talking head telling me about the uprising and wherever. I, it's more, I find it's interesting to read the in-depth coverage of the uprising, wherever, um, because a talking head has a minute and a half to summarize whatever that's about on CNN or wherever it is. And that just isn't enough for me. Yes, I know that there was this uprising and 30 people were killed and it was started by some guy. Uh, but then if you read the article in the paper, you probably know who the guy was who started it, why he started it, where it started, how it started, what the outcome might be. How it would. So anyway, that's yeah. more interesting yeah. to me. What are, you, what are you looking forward to in the future, upcoming well, upcoming, um, oh, I got a couple of encores. I'm doing a new musical, doing a couple of new musicals. Uh, uh, the Sunday in the Park I did with uh, Jake Gyllenhaal and Anna Lee Ashford on Broadway a couple of years ago. We're doing it on the West End. I have a couple of new projects with Susan Stroman. Um, so, yeah, you know, there's yeah. lots coming up. Uh, I just had a big project postpone uh, it was a major project that I had cleared four and a half months for uh, canceled basically oh no uh, which is fine yeah. it's alright I don't mind you know they canceled it for the right reasons I'm not going to go into what it is but they canceled it for the right reasons sure um, so that's fine I'll do something else or or I'll sit on the sofa and read you know um, it's which is all good <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you have such a chill, you know, relaxed outlook on life. Has it always been that way? Yeah, it has to be, you know. It has uh, to be. It, because life's too short. Yeah. Sure, we all get stressed out. Uh, we all get anxious. We all get angry. We all, because that's the human nature. Um, I just don't try and let it be my life. 
And I, I learned from Saren, who, when I assisted her, we were in a theater once, and she was furious about something, what was ever going on with the electrician. And we were in Philadelphia, and she, nobody heard this except me. She shoved all the papers in my hand, and she said, you do it, I'm leaving. And she walked out of the theater. And so I just continued on doing what we were doing, focusing the show, basically. And about 30 minutes later, she came in. She picked up the papers, and we continued on. And uh, I said to her afterwards, I said, what happened? She said, oh, I just was going to get angry in the theater. So I just went out and walked around the block three times. I'm fine. So she took that anger out and went out and walked around the block. Now, she may have punched people doing it i don't know i don't think so <laughs> but, but you know get rid of it uh and i've always remembered that i never saw her get angry that once but i'm the only one who saw it nobody else saw that uh and it wasn't ever directed at me right. um so you know you just see um you gotta do that because i'm putting on a play and I have a limited number of hours, and it's, they're expensive hours. So how are we going to do this and get it on? And then, you know, I sit in my office. It's the same thing. I meet with people and directors, and we talk about projects. And sometimes they happen, and sometimes they don't. You know, I get annoyed if somebody says they don't pay you, yeah. uh, which happens. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, then I say, well, that was my fault. I should have said I can't go any further until you give me some money. But, you know, that doesn't happen very often. Yeah. I find in the business, um, most theater people are honest and they want to pay you for your work. They may not pay you what you're worth, but they want to pay you. <laughs> yeah. You know. Yeah. That's such, that's such a great outlook on life. Thank you for allowing me to record it. I know someone's oh, going to sure. learn. I know someone's going to learn from that. I mean, I am, so I know someone else. Oh, okay. So thank you, Ken. <laughs> Um, as we wrap up here, is there a word or a phrase that you'd put on a billboard for millions of people to see? Oh, well, you know, what, what is, you know, I, you know, you just got to enjoy it. Enjoy it. Yeah. You know, there's that old Annie Mame line, you know, life's a banquet and most poor sons of bitches are starving to death. <laughs> And yes. it's true. <laughs> it is. It um, is, you know. And, uh, you know, that's Patrick Dennis, but I mean, uh, said it. But um, it's, I totally believe that, you know. Uh, I can get a lot out of things. And if I can't, then it's my fault for not getting it, not anybody else's. I don't, nobody owes me anything. So if I want it, I have to go get it. Yeah, if you want it, you have to go get it. I love that. Life is a banquet, and most poor, most poor sons of bitches are starving to death. <laughs> right. It's so true, though. I mean, it is, and it's so it's so it's so enlightening to hear your views on life, on the industry, on right. you know what's gotten you to where you are. And I I thank you for sharing that with oh. me. Oh no, absolutely. Ken. And, um, and, we, and we keep going and we keep doing it and that's the fun part yeah we just keep on keeping on it's um yeah it's been a wonderful chat is there anything else you want to add to this before we wrap up well no i you know i always think if, if you have a dream and if if something interests you try it do it um you may not be successful at it, you may not make money at it you may 
do it. You may love it and continue at it. Who knows? But you're never going to know unless you try. So if you think working in the theater uh, is would be fun for you, you know, when you're in school, you join the stage crew or the drama club or become a cheerleader, you know, that's all theater. Uh, join the marching band um, and see if it's something that interests you. If it doesn't interest you, at least you tried. Uh, but you don't want to be forced into it and uh, you don't want to get to be 50 years old and say, all I ever wanted to be was a... And, well, why aren't you? Why are you doing that? Well, I don't know. My parents wanted me to be a doctor, so I became a doctor, and all I ever wanted to do was be a race car driver. You know, who knows? But, um, you know, I think you need to try things and try. And, you know, the worst you can do, here it is. It's really the worst that can happen if you do something and you don't do it well. Um, They fire you. They do not take you out back and shoot you. <laughs> they fire you. You know, you can, you can get fired. Okay, well, I screwed that one up. Onward. <laughs> right, right. Do you have, do you have uh, a favorite failure or a parent failure that set you up for success? Um, well, do I have failures? I mean, you know, I've, the failures have taught me lessons. I remember doing a, a musical called Perfectly Frank. Now, there's something obscure. It was a yeah. Frank Lesser review on Broadway. And it was a mess. And the lighting was terrible. And I couldn't <laughs> solve it. Oh, my God. And I couldn't solve it. And I couldn't solve it. And I had my friends come in. Nobody yeah. could solve it. Sure. And it just was mediocre to bad, I must say. And finally, I said to myself, you're the only one going to solve this. So I sat down one day and pretended I came in to fix it, not to uh, be the designer. And I looked at it and objectively looked at what I had done on stage. And I said, oh, it's all the wrong colors. Everything's wrong. So I regelled the show and I recued it. And the show looked absolutely fine and wasn't successful, but I solved the problem. So instead of I tried I worked really hard and then I just had to screw my head on and say figure it out and solve the problem and so perfectly frank ran for a month or three weeks or something and nobody's ever heard of it and the lighting was absolutely okay I made it okay from terrible um, mm. so you know you look at that and that helped me grow and just say just look at your work and admit to yourself you know, I always say to young designers or young directors or, you know, working in school. And in school, when you're doing stuff, that's your time to fail yeah. because yeah. you're there to experiment and learn, not turn out hits. Uh, and I always say to a, a designer or anybody, you've done whatever, uh, Uncle Vanya, for the, <laughs> you know, for the college. And opening night comes, and everybody's patting everybody on the back, saying, it, "You know, it's all, it's Tony worthy. It's uh, brilliant. It's wonderful." Uh, the parents think, you know, you should be getting uh, Pulitzer prizes. I mean, you know, it's just everything. <laughs> yeah. And and that's exactly what opening night should be. But I tell anybody when they're working in the educational world, go back to the closing performance, and you sit 
in a real seat in the middle of the auditorium without a pad, without a date afterwards, without a date with you. Yeah. And you watch your work and critique yourself and look at it and say, oh, why is it so bright? Why is it so dark? Why are the sconces too bright? What? Why is the leading man, if you did the costumes, oh, God, I put him in green. What was I thinking? But go back and critique yourself at the end of the run, and you'll be a better person, and you have to be honest. This doesn't work if you have somebody with you, and it doesn't work if you're meeting everybody for a drink 20 minutes after the show because you're not going to stop and think about it. But if you stop and really look at your work, and I don't care what you did on the show, and look at it and critique yourself, you'll be better at the next one. How often are you doing that? Oh, I do it all the time. You know, <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know I go, Actually, when, this weekend. when I do an encore, <laughs> I do an encore, and, you know, we, we do it in a day, and it plays a week, and I always like to go see the Sunday night show after a show that opened on Wednesday, and I sit there and go, oh, what was I thinking? Because it's just fun nobody else notices it but i look at it and say well that was a little fast oh uh, okay uh but it's fun to look back you know go back and even when i we do shows that are in previews in new york um you should take you know you can't watch every preview because i don't know what's seeing the show wednesday afternoon and wednesday night going to do for you you can't do any work between so i always think you should maybe take wednesday off and then you come back with fresh eyes on Thursday, you know, uh, and you, the, the errors or the blunders or the uh, mistakes jump off the stage at, at the playwright, at everybody, you know, whoever. But you can't just sit there because you just know everything so well. You need to go away for a few days and then come back and watch it again. And then you just see it like, how did I miss that? It's so big, you know. Yeah, anyway. yeah, but to have that self awareness to admit that, right, is yeah key. By the way, you, you can also turn to yourself and say, you know what, that's pretty good. I did good. <laughs> I did a great job. <laughs> you know, yeah. then that's okay too. Yeah, yeah, that is that is. You're absolutely right. It's a balance of the two. Ken, thank you. All right, for taking this All time. Right. Thank you for sharing this. This is very educational and and very entertaining. (laughs) Oh, good. We like the entertaining part. That's what we are. Showbiz. Yeah, baby. (laughs) Okay. I I thank you for taking this time and chatting with me. Okay. Have fun on tour. I I am, and I certainly will. Okay. Talk to you soon. Yes. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, Ken Billington. You've been listening to Entertainment X, the podcast. You can follow Entertainment X on Instagram at underscore Entertainment X underscore. If you haven't yet, go to Apple Podcasts and subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. Join Clay next week for another curiosity conversation on Entertainment X. Thank you for listening. <laughs>